Welcome to the Power Mom Minute. I'm your host, Stephanie Uchima Carney, and I'm a modern day business mama who believes you can have it all. This podcast is all about going behind the scenes of the lives and businesses of successful moms in business in order to uncover the daily rituals, life lessons, real life tactics, and favorite tools that you as a mom can use to apply to your daily life and business. It is my mission to educate, empower, and inspire moms like yourself to build your dream business while having the freedom and flexibility to enjoy life to the fullest. Power Moms, it's time to rule the world. Now let's get started. Welcome back to the Power Mom Minute podcast. It has been a long time since I last recorded an episode, but so much has changed, obviously in the world, but also personally. Exciting news, back in February, I had a baby girl. So I was originally planning on taking a couple months off of work in order to focus on having maternity leave and taking some time with my three kids. However, obviously... The pandemic hit, COVID hit, and things got a little bit derailed from homeschooling to working from home to all the things. It got quite hectic, but I am back and I'm really excited to share something that I actually did back in April called Pregnancy and Parenting in a Pandemic. During April for two weeks, I thought that I would try and help parents navigate all the things going on during the pandemic. It was also kind of like self-therapy for me. Having a, a newborn at home, having two other kids under the age of five, and also having a husband working from home, there were just so many things going on. And I felt like I was having so many conversations with other moms trying to just navigate it all. So back in April, I picked 17 different experts covering different topics ranging from fertility to mindfulness to health and fitness to working from home, productivity, and more. And we just had a casual conversation about how to navigate and how to survive being pregnant and parenting during the pandemic. The experts were sharing tools, tactics, advice, strategies to help survive as a parent, not just during now, but also in the future as you navigate parenthood. So I thought it'd be fun to bring this special series onto the podcast with some of the interviews that I thought would be really helpful for moms, especially power moms, trying to navigate it all. Over the next five weeks, I'll be sharing five of those 17 interviews that had great, incredible insights into ways that you can navigate parenthood, not just now, but moving forward. So I hope you enjoy it. If you're interested in hearing uh, any of the other 17 expert interviews, you can go to parentingpandemicseries.com and sign up for free access to it. Again, that's parentingpandemicseries.com, and you can either watch or listen to any of the expert interviews. But for the next five weeks, I'm going to be showcasing five of those. So you can also just tune into the podcast. And just a reminder, if you hear a child in the background or bad audio, all of these episodes were recording while working from home in the middle of three kids under five years old. Today, I am excited to bring on one of my former clients, Jessie Ginsburg. She is an absolute powerhouse mom. Her drive, determination, and what she's able to accomplish over the last, even just last year is super inspiring. She makes it look so easy, but I know there was so much hard work that was put into the back end, and I wanted to shed a little bit of light on what the behind the scenes looked like for her. 
Jesse Ginsberg is a speech and language pathologist and a mom of two little boys, four and under. She's also the owner of Pediatric Therapy Playhouse in Los Angeles and an educator to other SLPs through her program, ASD from the Inside Out. It's an online program that focuses on helping therapists treat kids with autism in a unique and different way. Some of the fun things that we talk about on the call are how to motivate children intrinsically. So whether or not you have a special needs children or a young child or even an older child, different ways to motivate them intrinsically without having to use a bunch of like hoopla, like toys and things like that. Another thing we talk a lot about are just how to shift your mindset as a parent and tools and tips behind that. And then another fun thing that we talked about for a while is really how does she make it work behind the scenes? So what is her morning routine like? She talks a lot about the 5 a.m. club and we'll go deeper into all of that. So I know in the beginning of this, the episode was originally geared towards helping parents navigate kind of special needs children and teletherapy during the pandemic, but that only lasts for the first about 10 minutes or so. And even through that, there's so much helpful information that you can learn if you are parenting any child. And so take a listen. It's There's so many great insights. I love Jesse, And so enjoy. And again, if you want to hear more interviews, just go to parentingpandemicseries.com and you can sign up for free to hear any of the 17 expert interviews from the series. So enjoy. Thank you. All right. We are live. Hello and welcome back to Pregnancy and Parenting in a Pandemic. I have on the show today, Jessie Ginsberg. She is a speech language pathologist. Oh my goodness, I'm getting this wrong. But she's also a friend we met in our mommy and me class with our second children. She's an incredible person all around. I don't even know if I can put words into what she does. She has two toddlers. She runs a brick and mortar pediatric therapy clinic. She has another business that's online teaching SLPs her special method in autism. I mean, this girl does it all. Literally, I'm always like, oh, what would Jesse do? Okay, she would just get things done. So without further ado, here's Jesse, and I want her to give a little bit of background about what you actually do. <laughs> Hi, thanks for having me. Um, you're so funny, Steph, because you're like, oh, you do it all. But then what you're ha- however many weeks out from having your next kid, like maybe two weeks out and you're say, oh, I'm launching this new thing. Moms. What is it called? Uh, the fourth trimester tribe, that one. Yeah. Or- and then yeah. I'm not surprised at all. Not one bit. So anyway, thanks for having me. I'm really excited. Yep. So I'm a speech language pathologist and I own a clinic here in West LA called Pediatric Therapy Playhouse. We do speech and occupational therapy for kids. And then I also started in the last year or so training other speech therapists in how to work with young kids with autism. And by the way, she has two kids under four. Well, I guess. No. Yes. Yeah. Under four, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm still do- saying one and three, even though they're closer to two and four. And is doing all this and has multiple employees and is just like an all around. Yeah. But I wanted to get into is talking a little bit right now about therapy, because 
children right now can't really go in to see their therapist. They can't, you know, kids with autism, um, a lot of routine changes. Can you talk a little bit about how you are able to help them and then also things that parents can do to help? Yeah. So when it comes to kids with autism and teletherapy, I think the biggest transition we're making right now, especially for those kids who really need a higher level of support. So those kids who are younger, who have trouble with attention, who have trouble engaging, just going back and forth, interacting, we are really switching over to so much more of a parent coaching model. Because now, you know, we don't want to just stick the kids in front of a computer and try to work with them that way. Our goal for kids on the spectrum in general is to improve their human connection and their relationships with others. So the best way we can do that is by training parents to do everything we do. And that's something we do in our sessions already. But I think the beauty of what we're seeing right now is that we are getting the opportunity to empower parents and train them and teach them strategies. And it's just, it's really, I feel like a silver lining almost in all this, that they're getting the opportunity to learn these things that otherwise they might have not felt comfortable doing. That's wonderful. And are you working with the kids too via this or just like the parents or how's that? Um, yeah, it kind of depends on the age of the kid, but also the level. So I would say most kids who are three and under, we're doing primarily parent coaching. And then maybe for kids who are four and older, we're doing some other really fun activities. So a lot of kids with autism, for instance, have trouble with perspective taking and putting themselves in other people's shoes. So we'll watch a really short clip on YouTube and then ask them questions about the story. And it's really fun. Um, we're even doing social skills groups. Wow. And this is all just via telehealth, like just mm -hmm. on the screen. Wow. Yeah, it's and so cute. So we get um, to, you know, they're just, we want them to stay connected with their peers, you know, right. so it's a fun opportunity to learn and do new things. Have you had to get super creative on how, on the methods you're going about doing this? Because on a normal day, you normally don't telehealth your therapy clients. And so, especially I think kids with autism, it's a little harder for focus and just also changing the way they're doing stuff. How have you had to change your practice or the way you do things? Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie and say this has been the easiest thing of all time because it's definitely not, you know, we're not all super thrilled. This is so much work for us. And it's just so different. When they walk into the clinic, we have this huge wall of toys. They get to pick what they want to play with. And then we just go and we do it. And then now that it's online, everything has to be really planned out. And there's always got to be a plan B. Because like you're saying, you just you never know. You have kids. You never knew, know what kind of a mood they're going to be in. You never know if something's going to work. So it's just a lot of being flexible on the therapist part for sure. What are some fun things parents can do at home right now with their kids utilizing, I guess, what they have at home because they don't have all the resources that you have in your clinic? You know, it's so funny. Well, for kids with autism, I always say the less toys you use, the better. You want that kid to be focusing on you, not on the thing. A lot of kids with autism could sit there for hours with be happy playing with a toy on their own and just zoned in. For those kids on the spectrum, we really want them working on their joint attention and their ability to focus on the people. So that's a good thing. They don't need the clinic. They don't need the toys. What's funny is I was just doing laundry last week and I had my three-year-old helping me and he's never done that before. And it was the most fun he's ever had. 
<laughs> so it's just involve your kids in that those day-to-day routines you're doing that you hate doing or you dread doing. That is so fun for them. And they don't get the opportunity to, you know, be home with you all the time to do stuff like that. True. And I was thinking like, usually the child's playing with their therapist and not their parents. So I wonder for them if this is like even better for them because they're like, now I get to do these fun things, but with mom and dad. For sure. I think that's the biggest struggle for parents maybe is just the mindset because it's scary that you're used to going to this person who is an expert and they know exactly what to do. And now you're that person for your kid. I mean, there's got to be a ton of pressure on parents too. So You know, if parents can just take a second and stop trying to think about how can I be the expert and just start thinking about how can I involve my kid in these everyday mundane tasks, that is going to be the best way to connect with them and build language. How is your, I know you have a program, your ASD from the inside out, and you work with kids with autism very differently than others and more, I believe, play-based. Is that right? Or I I guess, how is that different and how... How are you seeing that change right now during this like pandemic when everyone's at home? How are you seeing your methods like almost working either better or can you talk to that? Yeah. So my course, it's called ASD from the inside out because the big emphasis is on improving a child's intrinsic motivation to communicate. And it's so funny because obviously this all goes back to parenting and how we raise kids, but there is so much research that shows that when you reward kids with something, an external reward, that doesn't improve their intrinsic motivation. So if you tell your kid, go clean up all your toys, and then you're going to get a cookie, that's an external reward. Or go um, put your plate in the dishwasher, and then come give me a high five. That's an external reward. So the best way to motivate kids is by improving their intrinsic motivation. You want them to do things because they want to, because it's fun for them, not because they're going to get something. So that's something else to think about at home. You know, it's so easy for us to say, if then, right? If you do this, then you're going to get this. But what research shows that when we do that, if then, all we're doing is making the if activity less desirable over time. So can you, I was going to say, oh my goodness, I need this because this morning, no joke, I made like a schedule because I was like, we finally need a schedule. And then I started making a rewards chart, which apparently is now bad because I'm like, okay, if you pick up your toys, you get now a sticker. And if you get all these stickers, now you get X, Y, Z. And now I'm basically doing it on incentives and bribery. So if I'm not supposed to be doing this, if then, how do I do this? And I know that's a long (laughs) I always like to tell parents and therapists that that's kind of like a short term solution. So it might work really well for a week. And then after that, you're going to need something else, right? Those things don't usually work over time. And the reason is because it doesn't change the child's intrinsic motivation. Right. So So how do you intrinsically motivate? (laughs) Because kids learn and kids do things when they're motivated and they're having fun. So instead of saying you need to pick up your toys right now before we eat dinner, you can say, okay, look, all these bugs are all over the ground. And every Lego is a bug. Oh, I need to get this bug. Get that blue bug. Get that red bug. Okay, can you throw it? Throw it in that basket. We need to get rid of them. So it's just making stupid things fun. Now, it's not fun for anyone. Do we like cleaning? No. Why would we expect kids to like that? 
True. And right now it's hard. And when you're home with your kids 24 seven, like I think I'm having the biggest problem having him sit down and watch school videos when I also have to remember he's four years old and he doesn't really need homeschooling. But it's like, it's something I'm like, you need to do this right now while mommy's working, like sit here, watch your video. And he has like a two minute attention span and I don't know how to motivate him. But when they had put a YouTube video of like Elmo on a scavenger hunt, which was part of their lesson, he actually watched it. So I, I'm still trying to figure out how to do that. Yeah, I feel you because my three-year-old is, it's really hard to keep him in front of the screen for his preschool classes and they're doing 20 minutes at a time. Yeah, but what are you, like, what are you doing at home? I feel more uncomfortable. It's, our kids don't care. It's us. We're, we think the teacher's judging us and that we can't get our kid to sit in front of the screen and then we take it on as it's an us problem, but it's not. It's just, we can't, you know, for my son, I'll say, oh yeah, you want to play with that ball right now. I bet your class really wants to see that ball you're holding and then just get it back. But it's just all about keeping it fun for them. That's all it is in parenting. It's funny because everything I do in work really transfers over. Right. So going back to you were saying about the parent mindset, any tips on like how we can focus on our mindset in this time? Because I know as parents, like this is a huge change for us. We're not used to being the teacher. We're not used to being the therapist. We're not used to being that person that we used to basically hire out to. So how are are you like helping any of the parents through this like mindset shifts? Do you in your therapy sessions, like how any tips on how we can change? For sure. I think that The biggest thing, which I would tell parents and also parents who have kids doing therapy or therapists who are doing the therapy, is just take the pressure off yourself. But you know, when you get to that point where you're so frustrated with your kids that all you, that you just like feel yourself that you need a minute, that's not helping the situation, right? The best thing we could do is just go, okay, pressure's off. Take a deep breath. I don't care. This is all good. It's just, it's so important. But same thing in therapy, just taking the pressure off and realizing that this is a hard time for everyone and it's okay and it's going to look different and that's okay. Yeah, I mean, I think I briefly told you about my morning routines and how they help me stay sane. Yes. So going into that, I know you mentioned something about a 5 a.m. club and I'm curious at to what you're doing as a busy mom running multiple businesses. How are you keeping sane right now? So this is going to sound crazy to most people, but I listened to this podcast. It was Jay Shetty's podcast, which is called On Purpose. And he interviewed Robin Sharma, who's the author of this book called The 5am Club. And I'm not kidding. Two minutes into the interview, this is sometime last year, I bought the book and I read the book in the next day or something. And it's crazy. The idea is that you get up at 5am every morning and he calls it the 20-20-20 formula. So for 20 minutes, you exercise. 20 minutes, you meditate or visualize. And then 20 minutes, you learn. So you listen to a podcast, you read, or you do something. And I'm not kidding. I bought that book. And I had have gotten up until this quarantine. We've talked about that. I had very consistently gotten up at 5 a.m. every morning to do that. And for me, when do you kids, go to bed? When I wake up that early, usually by 10. Okay. I never know when my kids are going to wake up. And there are plenty of times when they wake up at six. And that hour is, I can't even tell you how amazing it feels to sit there. I'm not, I've never been into meditation. I'm working on it. I did Danielle McGee's meditation today. 
But even if I'm not meditating, I'll sit there and just visualize. I'll visualize what my what I want my day to look like or what I want my life to look like. And it's just, it feels so good to have that time to yourself. And I know it's crazy. And I was never an early riser before. How kids, did you get I yourself? I was going to say to be an early riser because yeah. I am not. I like, if I even wake up at 5.30 to nurse the baby, I'm back asleep afterwards. I can't get out of bed. So but how do you do it? That's kind of the premise of the book is that they say in the book, if you want to be in the top 5% of performers, you have to be willing to do what 95% of people are unwilling to do. <laughs> and who likes waking up at five? I don't. But if I could get up at five, the hardest thing I'm going to do that day is get myself out of bed and put my feet on the floor. And if I could say that I just did the hardest thing in the first two minutes of waking up, how great of a feeling is that? Yeah. When you put it in that perspective, the one step at a time, just what is the hardest part that makes a lot of sense. I think for me, a lot, I feel like of men can do these morning routines and all these, a lot of men write these books on like how to be the most productive, how to be in the top 5%, how to do all this, because they are not dealing with sleep deprivation. They're not dealing with whining kids. They're not dealing with the fact that they just nursed a baby for, you know, twice in the evening. They're not dealing with a lot of these things. And, you know, my husband's awesome. I'm not saying anything bad at all. He is probably the one most hands-on amazing, but he also can't understand like a lot of times what I'm going through. And so for me waking up at 5am, like my sleep is so sacred <laughs> that it's hard for me to do that. It's so important to sleep, obviously. I would never tell someone to start getting up at five if you're not getting as much sleep as you need. But I'd, I don't know. This has never happened to me. I'd never gone to the point at night where I actually feel tired. I would get in bed because I'm supposed to get in bed because it's 11 or it's 12 and it's time to get in bed. But I didn't feel tired. When I wake up at five, I feel tired and it is the <laughs> best feeling in the world. <laughs> Huh. And so has that routine changed at all now that you're in quarantine and now that you have a lot of different responsibilities? So I think the first two weeks of the quarantine, I did what everyone else did, which was drink wine every night and eat Top Ramen. And I was like, <laughs> ah, this is the life. I get used to this. My kids were my alarm clock. But then after a couple of weeks, it just, it doesn't feel good, you know? And I, even though my work is really flexible right now. I don't have to wake up at five, but I started doing it again. And I, honestly, I feel so much better. So how do you structure the rest of the, your day then? Like, how are you productive doing all this? So you wake up at 5 a.m. and then maybe your kids wake up at six, maybe they wake up at seven. What does the rest of your day look like? So something I learned was in the book, The Power of When. It helps you figure out when are the times in your day that you're the most productive and when you should do creative tasks versus do things that take a lot more brain energy. So for me, my most productive hours are between like 10 and 12 or nine and 12. So I try to focus those hours on doing the things that really need to get done. But my schedule is way off now because when I'm taking care of the kids, you know, I still have my mom helping, thank God. But when I'm with the kids and it's hard for her, you know, we don't have our nanny. So when I am working, I already have planned what I'm going to do during that work time. If there's ever a period of time where I open my computer and I go, hmm, what should I work on right now? I close my computer and I go and I just hang out with my kids because I don't want to waste my time trying to figure that out. So I know exactly what I'm going to work on. Then I sit down and I just work smarter, not work harder. 
And by the way, Jesse, I love you always read so many books. You're like my book person. I'm like, okay, so what's a good book to read now on productivity or on all that? So I'm going to have to put in the comments, the 5 a.m. club. And you said the power of one. 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 Okay. (laughs) So besides the 5 a.m. club, what other things do you do in the day for kind of you? Like, how do you manage to stay so sane? So, you know, calm. So what's what other things, or is the 5 a.m. club, is that something that just works and then it keeps you good for the rest of the day? I think it does because when you wake up that early and you spend an entire hour, what working mom spends an hour to herself every day? I mean, I used to watch Real Housewives till I was blue in the face, you know? So it's like, this is such, this is more productive and it's just so, it feels so good to have that kind of morning. But um, no, I've been doing a lot more. Like I got my guitar out and then I bought a dress form that was with my measurements so I could (laughs) sew. And it's just, you know, if I'm going to be home, I might as well be doing the things that I love to do. But I try to keep things really fun for the kids. So we'll like take all the cushions off the couch and then make an obstacle course and have them running around the house and stuff like that. So try to keep it fun for them too. I know for a lot of us that I'm sure you're the same way too, because you like to be busy. It's hard for us just to sit home. It is. I mean, hi, you asked why I launched this thing and I have an 11 week old. I'm like, cause I was getting bored because <laughs> I need to talk to humans. And I, and I wanted to like reconnect with all these different people. And I felt like I just, I needed something to do. And so besides like being with all the kids, like I needed something as a mental outlet for me. And I feel like I don't know, 5am club, I might have to try that since I'm up anyway. (laughs) Yeah. And this is the other thing. And this is gonna sound crazy as well. Have you seen the documentary on Netflix called minimalism? No, I haven't. Life changing. Is it like Marie Kondo-esque? Or is it like, and when I read her book, I tore apart my house and my closet. And I'm not kidding. I watched this documentary. (laughs) And then I stayed up late that night, just getting rid of even more stuff. But it's so powerful. And as you know, I just moved to a new place and I just did not want to clutter it. I didn't want to take all my kids' toys for two reasons. One, I didn't want to have to clean up crap all the time because that is the most annoying thing in the world, having to clean up after As in literally staring at our playroom because that's what's in front of me right now. And it gives me hives. And one day I'm like, I'm just going to take everything and throow it away. My son saves like cardboard boxes. He like categor- like has everything. He knows exactly where everything is, even though it's closed. Yeah, that's hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. But I didn't want to have to be cleaning stuff up. And then two, I keep reading all of these articles coming out about how the less that kids have, the better their attention is. Because when there's toys everywhere, they are just moving from toy to toy to toy. So I can tell you, because I didn't watch that documentary when I made this decision. I just made it because I thought it would feel better. And then I watched the documentary and then it made so much sense. And I could tell you the toys I have right now for my kids because I have so few. And I'm not saying you should. I'm just saying I love this, which is puzzles, which we use a lot of ways. We put them in obstacle courses and stuff too. We have these ice cream, pretend ice cream cones from Lakeshore Learning that all different colors you could stack them so it's like you could pretend play with them you could count them you're you could build with them so all these different things we have an electric piano that I'm going to get rid of because they never use it and 
I took a bunch of stuff from my office. So we have a mini trampoline and a tunnel. So we do a lot of moving around. And then I just bought them both scooters that were super cheap and they love them. That is actually, that is a good question that I had. What's so now that we're all stuck at home and outdoor, like I'm such a big proponent of outdoor play. That's how we picked the preschool we went to, we go to what sort of play things can they do outdoors right now? Besides just like scootering or like, is there anything that's more engaging? especially if they're not in sports think, right now. Yeah. If your kids are old enough, one of the best ways to build language and play skills is through pretend play. So whether that's pretending that you own an ice cream shop or pretending that you have a drive through restaurant or having barn animals and a farm and a house, all of that stuff. So that's really an amazing way to build skills. But I think the point of this documentary, which you should definitely see it, is that... <laughs> material items are not what brings us happiness, you know? So you might buy a new car and it makes you feel amazing and it gives you this boost of dopamine. And then all of a sudden that dwindles and then you think, oh, I think I need another car because it's time. But it's just, it's such a good thing to think about and teach kids too, you know? Happiness doesn't come from things and we don't need to value our things in the way that we do. A lot of the times that goes back to what you were saying about also intrinsic motivation is, I mean, that's a happiness thing. So instead of like buying things to fulfill their happiness or giving them rewards, motivate from the inside. Yeah. And what they said in this documentary, I don't know why this stuck with me and made, I don't know, it just really affected me. They said, you can never buy enough of the stuff you don't really want. Here we all are buying all this stuff that we really don't want. We just want a feeling, you know, we want to feel happy and we think that something is going to cause us to feel that way, but that's not really what's going to cause us to feel that way. So the best right way to reward your kid and is not by buying him a toy. It's by playing with him. You know, your kid would rather have you down on the floor with him playing with him for 20 minutes than giving him a new toy because over time that excitement it's going to fade for him and that toy, just like it does for us. But he'll oh, always remember that moment. Yeah. It's being in the present and really taking that in. That's another thing I think good about what's going on right now is parents have the opportunity to be present. Parents have that chance. And yeah. it's, I think that's the one thing out of this that I've seen is it's giving us a chance to connect with our kids in a way that we couldn't before. And we need to, as much as it's like, frustrating with the homeschooling, with like having them around, having no childcare, whatever that is, we need to look at those moments and realize they're going to remember this for the rest of their lives, the coronavirus time. Yeah, for sure. And I think that same probably with all working moms and it drives, and you're probably this way, it drives me crazy when I'm trying to do something and my attention is being pulled, whether it's being with them and trying to do something with work. So for me, it's way easier to divide my time. And that helps with being present because you think, I don't need to think about work right now because that time is scheduled for later. Right now, I'm just going to be fully present with my kid. And one of the reasons that I love having way less stuff in the house is because their attention, they can hold it for so much longer in these activities. And then they end up being so creative with the things that we have. You know, it's it's really awesome to see even my littler one 
Oh, how are you actually, I wanted to talk a little bit about communication. How are you communicating all of the stuff that's going on with them? Um, I know like my son will run in and be like, oh, when the coronavirus is over or like he'll talk about it, but it's, I don't think he really gets it. So how are you communicating with your toddlers about what's going on? Cause obviously they know there's something different, like mommy's home a lot or I don't know. You know, there are a lot of changes. <laughs> I really what would, what would the SLP Jesse say to yeah. a parent I mean, who's, uh, who's going through this? And yeah, saying, I like, think for my young, my older son, who's only three, like he just wants to know why he can't go to Target with me, you know? <laughs> and I've honestly just told him, you know, people are sick. We're just waiting for them all to get better. And he's not emotional or anything. So, yeah, I wish I could give you better advice. <laughs> I feel like. Okay. Uh, psychologist would have a better answer for you. <laughs> and as a mom, how are you doing with all of this? And any advice out there for other moms? <laughs> yeah, I think that the easiest thing is it's just so easy for us to fall out of our normal routine. I mean, we are obviously being pushed out of our normal routine and you just have to keep doing things for yourself. You just got to do it. Got to try to exercise even if it's I'll, I just did like a Pilates Facebook Live yesterday. Actually, we had my old personal trainer do a group fitness class for my team. It's just nice because you just feel better about yourself and you can stick with your routines. Right. But it's sometimes hard to stick with your routine when everything's out of whack, but it's also hard to keep your kids in routine too. How are you um, keeping your kids kind of on any sort of schedule or is has nothing much changed? They're doing fairly well, actually, overall. I mean, do we have screen time in my house? Absolutely. I'm not going to pretend like I don't. But yeah, I think if anything, just like spending more time, they're not used to being with their parents so much. So that's also really nice. Right. Well, to wrap this up, I you basically answered the question. So I'm going to ask it again. So if you have a different kind of answer, but I've been asking everyone, what is your number one piece of advice for parents right now to survive? So I think everyone listening, try to do your 5 a.m. club for one week. And for me, that was all I said is I'm going to try it for one week. And you can do anything for a week, right? Do it, Stephanie. No, are you still waking up in the middle of the night? You are. So the last three nights, she's slept for 10 hours. And so I've woken up with like the rock hard boobs and I'm like, oh gosh. But before that, she was waking up at like 1.30 and like five. So I would be up at five, but then I'm like, and then I would go back to sleep at like 5.30 instead of my husband. He's like, just get out of bed. Like you're already awake. Just get out of bed. But I was like, I'm already been up in the middle of the night. Like I've slept in only three hours. But I think I'm going to start trying that because I should get up anyway to pump. So maybe I'll pump and then try that. What I I just don't know what to do for my 20 minutes of like working out. I can do the meditation. I can do the learning because I love those two. But the working out is, is okay, my biggest barrier videos. I started following this girl. I'm not sure where she lives. But her name's Emmy Wong, E-M-I Wong. And she has all these videos and they're like, no jumping cardio. And then I say, I'm all in. I'm not about <laughs> jumping at five in the morning. No, but it's so easy to find that stuff online, you know? Okay. But I think the big one of the things that have made the biggest difference are the meditation. Because I think for me, especially like visualization, what do you want your life to look like? And what do you want to do today? And 
we don't have time where we sit around and think about that. So it's almost giving yourself blocking off 20 minutes a day, just a daydream. Right. I was going to coin my own phrase. So we have this thing at preschool called the 20 minute cure, where you um, have to spend 20 minutes with one of your kids and let them pick what they want to do. It's like the way to fill up their tank. And this is when, you know, the parents are out busy working and all of this, and we don't have this time to be present. And I love um, the idea of the 20 minute cure. And I was like, as a mom, I wish I just had a five minute cure and to give ideas of what I can do in five minute spurts throughout the day. So if I can't do, you know, one hour, because I read like Tim Ferriss's morning routine, I'm like, well, that's great. I would love to have two hours to, you know, spend meditating on a hillside and going for a walk by a like, you know, river and doing all this, but I don't. So what can I do in my five minute cure times, which are for myself? And one of those, I love the simple habit app because they have five minute meditations. And so or I'll journal. And I love the idea of visualization. I also write sometimes future gratitude. So things that you're thankful for that technically haven't happened, but are in the future, because if you start believing that it's almost like a a manifestation. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And then I think just giving yourself time to read and listen to podcasts is, I mean, it makes a huge difference if you're reading the right stuff. I think we should have a Jessie's book club because all you guys out there, Jessie literally has the best like list of books. She's like my, oh yeah, have you read that? And so I'm like Amazon list, Amazon list, mainly audible because I listen to books. So um, I get all my recommendations from other people. I ask them all the time. Yes. Apparently um, tribe of mentors, Tim Ferriss. uh, So that's, well, that's the inspiration for my power mom minute podcast was I wanted to interview all of these successful moms in business to see what they do behind the scenes and then basically write, write a tribe of mentors, but for women and for moms. So his awesome that book. Yeah. Which Instagram account do you post your 5am stories on? On my work one, which is jessieginsberg.e. Okay. Oh, I think that's in one feel of the like posts. A lot of pressure oh, yeah. Everyone oh, follow Jesse. I forget what book. Oh, Atomic Habits. I think. Yes. That's a Amazing. good one. But what, when I moved into this new place, that was one of the things I thought about was they say, make it easy to do the things that you want to do. If you want to spend more time reading a book, keep your book on the coffee table. You right. know, it's right in your face. And then try to put a barrier between the things that you don't want to do, which means putting your junk food where you can't see it or really high on the shelf. And so for me, it was like I started keeping my guitar in the living room because then I would play it more often. But um, if you think about the habits and making things that you want to do, it's just that you could do that for your kids too. You know, the right. things that you want to do, make them visible around the house and accessible. And also make it almost like it's the only option so that they don't have tons of options. Like just thinking about your right with the toys. It's like, if you give them like, Hey, we have 20 minutes to play. What do you want to do? They have like so many options that it's overwhelm. It's like that whole theory of like, you wear, you pick out only certain outfits or you have like, that's why, you know what, um, Steve jobs only had black shirts. It's like, it eliminates decision fatigue. Because as a mom, we make decisions every single second of the day, like always. And so if you can eliminate any decisions for yourself or for your kids. Yeah. But the thing about kids is that you can't make them want to do things. Right. right? So if you get rid of a lot of the toys and you just put one toy on the floor and you go, oh, look, I have the barn out. We're going to play with the barn. They're probably going to say no. Yeah. Right. But you put out a couple of toys and you say, hmm, what should we play with? What do you want to play with right now? You know, you've got to le- leave the decision up to them. 
It's so true. Yeah. So, well, thank you so much for joining today, Jesse. You're always awesome. Uh, there are so many different ways they can connect with you, but I will vow, I'm going to say it right now. I am going to try the 5 a.m. club as long as Zoe isn't waking up at, you know, two in the morning to nurse. How about yeah. that? I'm putting the caveat on on there. I agree. But I will attempt to do that. It might surprise my husband. He might think I'm crazy. Something yeah. else I tell myself is like, I don't wake up and just check social media. Mm. I don't do that until after. I, I almost wanted to buy one of my kids' alarm clock things. Like they have the okay to wake thing that like brights up green. I almost wanted to do that instead of using my cell phone for a clock and alarm because I feel like when I shut it off, then I immediately look on social media because all my notifications are there. There is, it was in Tribe of Mentors. I highlighted it. I don't remember what it's called, but there's an alarm clock that is light. So it slowly yeah. lights up your room. I just don't want to do that yet because the baby's still in the room and I don't want to wake the baby oh. up. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's a good point. But no, yeah. morning routines, morning habits are so important in order yeah. to get your day off to a good start. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Jesse, for joining us today. And I hope you guys got, I mean, she has a lot of info in there. So I'm going to try and maybe post some some stuff in the comments on the books and things that you recommend and the podcast. Also, um, Jesse listens to a ton of podcasts, I know. She's always dropping great knowledge bombs. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I hope you get some sleep. Thanks. All right. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Power Mom Minute podcast. Your support means the absolute world to me. You can find the show notes for the episode and other goodies over at powermomminute.com. And if you enjoyed this episode or have gotten value from the podcast, I'd be so grateful if you could head on over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review so that we can reach and empower more moms all over the world together. Each week, I'll be reading some of those reviews on air. So stay tuned and you might just hear yours. Thank you so much again, beautiful mamas, and I'll see you here next time.